down that took the Dow Jones Industrial Average up more than 440 points this week disappeared just as quickly as traders said trepidation over what will happen in China's market made holding on to stocks too risky for most investors. Many technicians expect the market to retest the lows of Black Monday sell-off down toward that 1825 mark on the S&P before we see a meaningful bounce that actually holds. I have a few concerns about this. One, it wasn't that long ago that American markets led the world. If we were up, so was the rest of the world. Now it's China. And two, if the economy is really doing better, why does the Fed waver on interest rate hikes every time the stock market drops? A 10% drop after a five-year run is a very normal occurrence. Why are they still scared? This is Jason Roberts with the Wealth Investors Minute. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Number three of the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Coast to coast to border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, or Radio Loyalty and Stitcher. Check us out on the official Jiggy Jaguar app at J-I-G-G-Y-J-G-U-A-R dot U-S. Uh, that's right. Fantastic hour number three ahead. And uh, before we do that, let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. In response to the Black Friday stunt by Cards Against Humanity, E-Trip Africa is launching our Save the African Forest campaign. Through a revolving fund model, we're going to be distributing clean tech cooking stoves across rural Tanzania, helping save the forest and our environment while helping lift families out of poverty. Check out their great GoFundMe campaign at GoFundMe.com slash Tanzania Forests. It's so simple. Go to G-O-F-U-N-D-M-E dot C-O-M slash T-A-N-Z-A-N-I. A-F-O-R-E-S-T-S. And tell them, you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. Hour number three kicks off right now. We are going to do this. We are going to get our first guest on here. We've got Dan Perkins waiting in the wings. We're going to get our first guest here on the old Skype-a-Rooney, Vini Muzum. Hello. There he is. Vini, how are you, sir? Yes, Vinny Musum, how are you? Well, hold on. Let me uh, dial in your your comrade here real quick. I'm going to see if I could do this on the old Skype because uh, I, I, I love technology. Sometimes technology does not love me. Uh, we've got... We've got Penrith, he's right next to me. We're sitting together. You're sitting together? Okay. Yeah, together. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, so I do So I don't have to call the other guy. He's right there. The other guy and uh, solve your technology problem. <laughs> holy smokes! We holy smokes! We got a winner, and uh, we got <laughs> we've got Dan Perkins with us today from thehill.com. Uh, I want you guys to give us a little bit of background so Dan knows exactly who he's speaking with, and then we're going to talk about some of the different issues of the day and get your guys' thoughts on them. So give us give give our audience uh, a refresher and give Dan Perkins a introductory here. Hi, Dan. It's uh, Benny Musum. I'm a Republican committeeman, uh, retired senior vice president for Paul Mitchell, and um, I'll let my, my colleague introduce himself. Uh, but uh, we, we just wrote a book, and it's being 
received incredibly well. It's called The Third Way, Inclusive Capitalism uh, Through Employee Ownership, How Wealth is Created. We're, we're trying to share uh, the, the important side of the equation that you just don't hear today on the media or anywhere. Everything is, is concentrated on wages, which is important, but no one's talking about the capital side of the equation, and that's where the real money is. And um, there's, we, we found that, that uh, many companies offer these ESOPs, and they offer um, abilities for employees not just to get a wage, but to also uh, share in the company's growth through their stock. And uh, there's, we, we found through our research that over 10,000 companies are doing this, and nearly 15 million Americans are, are benefiting. The problem is the ones that are not, they're in trouble. There's, a, there's real trouble out there. Um, it's real discontent uh, because they're just relying on wages alone. And in the information age, you just can't do that. You need two sources of income, and that's, uh, that's the way that, to solve the income inequality problem. Now, uh, now, now, gentlemen, um, I, I want to start with with Dan on this. Our first topic today on our broadcast, and we're gonna we're gonna have you guys get. I want to get your thoughts on all these things too. That's why I've got you guys here. Um, first of all, the the the, the uh, millennial generation. It seems that uh, it seems like they know and don't know um, a lot of things. And like you you guys were mentioning, your, your, your book tackles a lot of things that the, that, that folks need to know. Uh, Dan, first of all, start us out in this topic and then we'll let these gentlemen jump in what the millennials know and don't know. Break it down for us, Dan. Well, let let me, before we get, just let me just say one other thing. Um, uh, it is an extremely small world, Jim. My number two son, Banker, one of the biggest in the country. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. You're cutting out. You're cutting out, Dan. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. He. He. He's, he's talking about how his 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 uh, youngest son uh, apparently is an ESOP banker. I'm gonna go ahead. Keep talking, wow. Dan. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, boost the phone line here. So go ahead and keep talking. He's been. He's been uh, doing ESOP transactions for probably the last ten years, and. Um, mm. So I, very, I agree with you. I'm very, I'm very familiar with the ESOP transaction. Um, there's a, there was a very famous comedian in the United States who was popular all over the world. His name was George Carlin. Yes. Yes. And what have you ever heard of him? George Carlin did a routine on certain things that offend him, and. It's really interesting because it fits what I'm about to tell you the way he describes something fits the subject matter we want to talk about, and that is the brain of the millennial. George Carlin said that some people like yogurt, but he doesn't like yogurt because he doesn't know what it wants to be. It's not finished. Well, that's what the brains of the millennials are. Let me give you an example. There was a, uh, a guy who did a video going to Yale University, getting students to sign a petition to ban the First Amendment. Yeah, I heard that. Saw that or not. Yeah, I heard First it. Amendment and the First Amendment, First Amendment guarantees freedom of speech. It also guarantees freedom of press. It also guarantees freedom of religion, but it also guarantees the right to petition. So those astute college students at Yale University 
were signing a petition to outlaw their right to sign a petition. <laughs> That's an example. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that. I saw that. It made a lot of the news, yeah? <laughs> yeah. It, it, but but the, the news didn't report the fourth piece is that they were signing a petition that would, would forbid them from signing a petition in the future. It's yeah. an example of, of uh, the ineptitude and the immaturity of college students in the United States today, yet they are trying to bring about radical change on the campuses. Um, and, you know, it, it fits very nicely with your ESOP transaction in this way. Yes. If you're going to do, if you're if you're going to start a business, and at some point in time in your life in this business, you decide to bring your employees into the ownership of the company, you are allowing them to take risk with you. Mm -hmm. To me, college students don't want to take risk at all. They're risk averse. They don't want to have anybody say anything bad to them. They want a separate space where they can go and hide. They don't want anybody to be uh, politically incorrect. They, they don't want to get involved in, 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 in risk. And in the case of the, the, the capital formation, which I agree with you, is an element of risk. Um, the people that are in coming out of the colleges today uh, are, are risk-averse. So, but then I, I saw one study where uh, it showed, this is Upendra uh, and his partner, I saw uh, it, it talks about millennials, uh, they don't want to work for somebody, they want to work for themselves, uh, they don't want to make others rich, they want to become rich. And uh, I don't know, this information, what you're giving is uh, uh, contradicting uh, that particular survey. Yeah, now the, uh, one other point there, and Dan, I, I, I definitely saw that, uh, that piece in, uh, with the students, and um, what is the old saying, youth is wasted on the young, but, uh, but one of the things that we advocate in our book, the Third Way book, um, is, dot com, is that these contributions are not made by the employee. They're 100% made by the employer. So contrary, there were some uh, situations in ESOPs, as you probably know, Dan, in the past uh, where companies were encouraging employees to, to, to make those contributions from their own savings. We steer clear of those ideas. And all the, um, right. uh, we're actually giving the keynote address at the, uh, the worldwide uh, conference at Rutgers uh, in a couple days. And all the academics and all the people that are behind this idea in, in the world are now um, advocating no contributions by the employees, and that really solves a lot of the. Nothing is. There's. I agree with you. There's no. There's no. No. Nothing that is completely risk-free, but that takes a heck of a lot of risk out of it when all the contribution is done by the employer and none by the employee. That's that's our position. Right. No, I I agree with that. I understand that. I, I'm just saying that that I I don't think that the college. I understand what you're saying about what the college students want. But let me give you some other statistics from the uh, National Institute on College Statistics. Right now, it's taking six years on average to complete a four-year degree. Um, there was a wonderful story about, and I think Jim and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, wonderful story at Oberlin College in Oberlin, Ohio, 
which is one of the most expensive liberal schools to go to in the United States. $65,000 a year for tuition, room, and board. The students were protesting that there wasn't enough chicken for Sunday dinner. Oh, yes, I, I, I remember this. <laughs> and they were, they, were, they were complaining about the oriental sandwiches were not made with all the proper ingredients. And I'm saying to myself, I, I put four boys through college, and they had to complete in four years. At $65,000 a year, it's going to take a half a million dollars for some of those students to graduate from Oberlin College. And I don't think as a parent, I want them worried about how much chicken they get for Sunday in the cafeteria. I think I'd want to have them working on their degree. The other thing is, it takes four years. The average cost continues to rise faster than any other cost in the country. And um, the unemployment rate of new college graduates is much higher than the national unemployment rate. And people are graduating with a higher level of student debt. And you want to talk about risk. They think that they that their their interest rates and their debts should be waived. They shouldn't have to pay them. And we have more outstanding student debt in the United States than we have in credit card debt in the United States. And it's growing rapidly. So they want somebody else to pay for it. They don't want to pay for it. They don't want to invest in themselves. They want somebody else. And what's happening is that parents are sacrificing the equity in their home and their retirement accounts in order to send their children to college to protest about chicken in the cafeteria. No, no I, I think uh, they I mean, I don't know whether all the millennials are like that. I don't know. There are, uh, I don't know how big your data sample is. I think uh, I do know a lot of millennials who are very much excited about uh, uh, earning not only a decent living, they are looking to be, become wealthy. You know, a lot of the people I run into, so I, there is um, a spectrum there. I mean, there is always uh, uh, people who are risk covers, and there are people who want to take a lot of risks. And uh, uh, if you look at a lot of young people, have become um, multimillionaires, and especially in the Silicon Valley. And our idea here is that uh, you know, just don't depend on uh, wages. And I think if you can. Uh, give a, a piece of the company through shares or s stocks, then uh, they can uh, also grow along with the company. When you own something, you are going to be much more productive because you have much more stake in it. I think that's the idea behind the book, The Third Way. Yeah, yeah. Now, also, um, one of the things that, that we, uh, one of the pieces of research that's really... Um, uh, go ahead. They're borrowing it through student loans or their parents' retirement accounts or the equity in their parents' house. What risk do they really have? In their, what investment have they made in their education? Going to class? Well, I well, think you know it's a, it's a commitment. You know, when you go to get education, whether it's uh, it is sad that the people are taking uh, six years for uh, doing a four-year college degree. And I know that the county colleges, uh, uh, they have for two-year uh, degree, they take uh, uh, four years. That's what uh, the, some of the numbers show. I think uh, that those are, uh, uh, it shows that uh, to some extent it's irresponsible because they're trying to spend on, uh, live on somebody else's money and they're not uh, giving the, uh, the best, giving their best uh, 
to get the best return on their investment. Yeah. Yeah, and yes, you know, what, what has to happen is people, that's the purpose of the book. That we don't think there's a book like this called The Third Way where we explain the capital side because students, not just students, we, we, we said right out, don't even expect that your politician, and my, my distinguished uh, co-author was the former deputy speaker of the state of New Jersey, and uh, put it, you know, he's in a special class, but most of the politicians, they, they don't look for them. They, not only do they not know what, this, what the, the uh, solution is, they don't even know what the problem is, because you don't even hear them discussing this. It's not taught in schools that, that, that the, the real wealth is created on the capital side. The, uh, C, uh, the Congressional Budget Office just put out a report uh, over the last several uh, decades, that the top 1%, and this is a Republican talking, okay, right? um, a, a lifelong Republican, that the top 1%, the CBO said, had, their income had grown at 275%, roughly, where the, the, the rest of the, you know, you go down the, the other quintiles, it was about the stable or the same. Uh, the other thing, the other report that was done by Brookings shows that, uh, that the, the top 20% had gained, had uh, gotten 86 percent of all capital wealth and capital income went to the top 26 percent. So my math tells me that the bottom 80 percent was getting only 14 percent spread over the 14 percent of all that capital was all left. I mean that's that's pathetic. That's sad, and that's not being taught. You're not hearing it in the media. You're not hearing there's this focus on the minimum wage. I mean how pathetic. Uh, the minimum wage, as you probably know, affects only about, and you know, listen, there's, there's people, there's differences of opinion, even between the Pender and I, about the minimum wage. But what, one thing we do know is the minimum wage only affects about 2 to 2.5% two of the population total. So it's not going to, and, and we've, we've raised the federal minimum wage uh, 29 times, and the problem has gotten worse. So, the pro, so and, and how pathetic to focus on, you know, this is America. Uh, that's why we wrote the book. Uh, why are we focusing on the minimum wage? How about we focus on maximum capital uh, accumulation and policies to, to encourage that? And you can go back and if you go to our website, thethirdwaybook.com, you'll see the four, found, uh, four first presidents of the United States. George Washington said, uh, America will become the most favorable. This is an incredibly powerful quote. You never hear this. America will become the most favorable country on earth for people of industry and frugality possessed of moderate property to, to inhabit. So he said that America would be a country where people could own property. That's why they left England. That's what, you know, uh, Jefferson, most of his writings, uh, he, he said in one of his writings um, that, that legislators could not invent too many ways to subdivide property. Uh, you can see the quote from, from, from Adams and Madison. Um, they did not want what's going on today. They'd be mortified at this complete... Um, lack of education and the understanding of how important property is. And property, obviously, is a form of capital. But people can't take care of themselves because they own no capital. We were at the National Press Club uh, a few weeks back, and the statistics was brought up that nearly 50% of the population owns zero capital. Zero. Uh, so you talk about a, a prescription for, for, for riots and revolution. It's coming. If we don't address this problem and face it, and, do, and have some intelligent public policy, we're in for big trouble. 
we're gonna we're gonna have to take we're gonna have to take a quick break, gentlemen. I hate to I hate to bust into the conversation, but we have to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll keep chatting with our guests. We're gonna see if we can get Don Mazella in here, and in our next segment, we're gonna be talking about Clinton's sexism charge against Trump. Is Bill fair game? Most were not alive and don't know how many women he attacked. We've got more coming up here on our program. Everybody, I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. Let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. There he is. It Hold is on. Let me grab Dan. Kickstarter campaign. Okay, a I've got Mozilla. I'm going to put you guys That's on hold. Right. I'll be back with you here. Probably about a minute and a half. Hold together. on. An amazing new Kickstarter campaign. It's the Super Wallet. That's right. This is a ultimate time saver. It sits in your pocket. What if an innovative wallet could be the best way to save five minutes of your precious life each and every day? That's right. We're talking about the AE Wallet. Check it out today. It's on Kickstarter.com. You want to go over there and check out Kickstarter.com. That's K-I-C-K-S-T-A-R-T-E-R.com. Search Super Wallet. More going, less searching. That's right. It's an amazing new Kickstarter campaign. You want to help them fund it here on the World Famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Program and Transmedia Worldwide. Our great new marketing partner here at Transmedia Worldwide. It's a great new Indiegogo campaign. Check out Yamamoto Game. It's a project made of passion for history of naval warfare. We need your help to finish it and build hey, the most Hey, Lori, what's going on? I just got your call. I'm in the middle of my live show, Support and I wanted to the country. give you a quick Full call during the commercial break. Where well, what's going on? Born. That's right, Indiegogo.com. Check out I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Search the Yamamoto Game why? Oh yeah, yeah, we're good to go for tomorrow. I just haven't had time to respond to emails. We've, I've been doing the live show and everything else. But yeah, we're good. This is the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Network. Jaguar Radio Network. Radio Network. It's a minute report for America. Yes, yes. Although the Bureau of Labor Statistics continues to cite the U3 number to oh, indicate yeah. the unemployment rate, the more accurate and realistic Definitely. figure well, I'm looking is forward the U6 to it, number, and, uh, currently 10.4%. Uh, I'll get you audio as of soon as we're done. that percentage, a worrisome subset, those who have been unemployed for 27 Definitely. weeks or more, increased from 2 million uh, It wasn't restful, unfortunately. But, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it was a good holiday. Um, I've got to get going, but uh, you need anything, shoot me an email or give me a call here in about an hour. In the workforce at 38 okay, year low thank you much. Appreciate it. There is little indication that the situation is improving. The economy isn't growing sufficiently to improve the jobs picture. Real gross domestic product the value of the production of goods and services in the U.S. increased at an annual rate of only 2.3% in the second quarter. I'm Frank Vernuccio. Read more at usagovpolicy.com. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. 
back here on the big broadcast, coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher. 32 minutes after the hour, we have Don Mazzella with us today. Of course, he is from SB Digest. We have our friend Dan Perkins from TheHill.com, and we have our uh, two great authors on the telephone here. And um, let's let's do this. Dan, did you have any, any uh, a quick thought there before we move on to our next topic? Because I know I interrupted you at the break. I'm, I'm sorry I had to do that. I just wanted to ask the two gentlemen how they feel about the, the, the Democratic position of income redistribution. What is their reaction to that, and and what about capital redistribution? Redistribution, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, we basically say that there's there's really only three choices, and that's why the book is called the Third Way. Um, you really have either either you have you know the typical redistribution, socialistic, big government, uh, which proven proven to fail every place that it's been tried, where you empower the government. The second thing is. Uh, plutocracy, the rule by the rich, which uh, actually a lot of professors believe we're now at a point where uh, I believe 20% of the population uh, owns almost 80% of all the capital wealth. When we get, from, we get to the point where 10% owns 90%, we're basically in a feudalistic society. We're, we're moving headlong at, 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 at rapid speed towards you know, lords and serfs. So you really have two, uh, the two choices was... A socialism, socialistic, or or autocracy ruled by the rich. There is a third way, and that's our what our book is about: inclusive capitalism, broad-based property ownership, intelligent public policy, so that you can get wealth in the hands, capital wealth in the hands of the average person. Uh, and I'll make it really fast. Thirty. Our, our, our corporate tax system is at a thirty-five percent, the highest corporate tax rate in the world. We advocate cutting that in half, if and only if. You share that in equity, and, and if, you're, if your son is an ESOP attorney, in equity to the workers. Um, and in these inner cities, well, this is the most exciting part of, of, of our, our book, I believe, is cut that corporate rate to zero. Uh, that would revitalize the inner cities through private investment, not public money. We've got uh, two great guests with us Thank today you. on the line. Uh, we've got Don Mazzella with us today, and we've got Dan Perkins. And uh, to catch Don up here, uh, gentlemen, kind of give us a, an overall here of, of the book so uh, he kind of knows where you guys are coming from on some of the issues here today. Yeah, and uh, this world is made out of, the, according to us, is haves and have-nots, and those who have capital and those who have don't do not have capital. And... Uh, our old system of uh, depending on only wages, uh, which is uh, time limited. What we are advocating for in our book is that uh, we want the, the government to give uh, tax credits so that way the corporations uh, invest in their employees. So the employees have a stake in the company. They work hard to make the company better so that way uh, not only they grow, the company grows and everybody benefits. I think that is the third way. Uh, we talk about communism has failed and the capitalism is not fair and we want to create more capitalists through the employee ownership so that that will address the issue of uh, uh, unemployment uh, reducing the unemployment i think those are the important things we talk about james james we're, we're dealing with you know people understand that, that we're a technologically driven society yes unfortunately we're we're using an 18th century labor-centric system in a 21st century 
technologically driven capital centric system. Yes. So we've got to modernize that system or else we're going to have the kind of dislocation that we're seeing now. People know they're being they're, they're being hurt. They know they're suffering. They just don't know why. That's what our book explains. And if you go to the website thethirdwaybook.com, you will be blown away. Now uh now Dan, uh one of the topics you wanted to cover here today was this uh the sexism charge uh what with uh the Clinton sexism charge against Trump is Bill fair game. I want to get your thoughts on that and then we'll let our guests jump in and we'll let Don jump in as well. I especially want to hear what your Republican co-author out there says uh what he thinks about that. Um I I think that that this is a very, very important issue, not because it's about Bill or Hillary. It's an important issue because what's going to happen here is that if Trump goes after Hillary, the news media is going to be caught between a rock and a hard place. And it may very well be the final blow to the mainstream media who can no longer protect, protect Mrs. Clinton or, for that matter, the old president. I think that if the if if the if Bill Cosby can be indicted for years and years and years after he committed these acts against women, then and the press is reporting on him, then if Hillary wants to say that Donald Trump is a sexist, uh, I believe that Donald Trump has the right to raise the question about her political position. And in accepting money from countries like Saudi Arabia, who who penalize women, who do not give them freedom, other countries, Arab countries that practice Sharia, Sharia law, who uh, torture and destroy women, and why she's accepted money through the Clinton Foundation, I think that this could open up a can of worms. And 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 Jim, it really goes back to the original subject matter about the millennials. I think that there are millions and millions of millennials who don't know what Bill Clinton did to the women that he attacked. They don't know about it because they weren't alive when it happened. And I think that this is going to bring to the head a, 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 a greater awareness of the millennials about Mrs. Clinton and her relationship with her husband and the women that he attacked. So I do think he's fair game, but that's my opinion. Well, I think uh, I'm a Democrat. I think when you're living in a glass house, you don't throw <laughs> stones at your neighbor. I think uh, somehow this uh, whole topic has opened up uh, uh, you know, when Bill, uh, President Bill Clinton entered the campaign. I think uh, whatever he's going to say, and he's not going to say nice things about Trump, and so Trump uh, has every right to attack back. And uh, I, I think uh, it is important. I think this issue is such an important thing, how we, we treat women and uh, this type of abuse and this type of things. And some of the people like Bill Cosby, it's a shame, disgrace that uh, what has happened. And all these things are coming out, uh, and we need to address that uh, head on. And uh, everything is a fair game in, uh, in politics and uh, love. Everything is fair. <laughs> James, let me let me tell you a little bit about you know I, I no one can out Republican me and and uh, you know it took a, to to to, to uh, when I ran into Pendra many years ago uh, you know I always tell him he's he's, a, he's a, one of the few Democrats I like because let me tell you he's 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 smart he's really smart he's honest he doesn't lie to you 
Yeah. And, he, and he's in public life to, to help people and serve people other than himself. Uh, I, think, I think Donald Trump has found the nerve of uh, her, her Achilles heel because this is something, and I agree with your other guest, Dan, that, uh, that this is, she can't hit back here because um, th- this is something that a lot of people don't know about. But I think what he did was absolutely disgraceful. And let me say something else here. Do um, you know Chelsea Clinton has a uh, has a home? Just bought a home in New York for ten and a half million dollars. Ten and a half million dollars helping. The, uh, that must have been for all the money they got raising for the poor, right? I mean, give me a break. Uh, you know, what are you in public life for? All the money that was donated to the Clinton Foundation. So uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's really disgraceful. But um, you know, there are good Democrats, and one of my co-author is, is one of them. I wish that people like that were, were more uh, put forward in, in public life. Now, I'm now, sure that there are, I'm sure that there are other Democrats, but but I, but my point is, is that um, I've been saying on this program for some period of time is that, and, and you're basically confirming what I've been saying, is that Trump has opened up Pandora's box, and he's become yeah. a spokesman for the people who are tired of the political correctness who are tired of the government telling them what to do and not making this this country grow. I mean, your, your ESOP idea is a great idea, but it's going to be harder and harder to do it with an economy that's growing at less than, than 2%. But I do think that Clinton, um, I think she's desperate, and I, and I think that the millennials may be a very important group of people who are going to look at her and in and wonder, why are these people in public office? Yeah, let me let me say one thing right now. If and we we've we've held back on our book to, to, right to this moment. If Donald Trump and and, uh, and we're we're making uh, connections with with Cruz and Trump and some of the other and Carson, if one of them gets a hold of this idea, our idea polls at between seventy, eighty, and ninety percent. If some like one of the top candidates gets a hold of this and promotes this, the election is over because people don't know. How to save themselves? You know, one of we say is save the country, save the world, save yourself. If you learn what's in our book, and we had someone that actually promoted this and started to put this into public policy, and really not just phony hope and change, real hope and change, real public policy that put, put capital in, in the hands of the average person, the election would be over. It, it would be the decisive uh, issue that would decide the election. Now, now, Don, uh, jump in there and give us your thoughts on this topic. It's so interesting. I want to keep quiet and listen. <laughs> uh, well, That's what everybody says. <laughs> there you go. First, uh, no, I, I think we should be talking about uh, how to make uh, capitalism work for everybody. We cannot have yes. anybody left behind. I think this is an important topic. Somehow it gets uh, uh, not getting the front attention. Well, I don't want to, I'm going to disagree with you because I firmly believe capitalism does not work for everybody. And uh, trying to to shoehorn what you're proposing into the world we are today is a a great effort. And uh, I thank you for trying, but I'm I'm, uh, a little bit more cynical or maybe more vocal than, than other people. I just don't think it works. Uh, it takes a rare type of uh, uh, company that could su- succeed where its workers are, par- are shareholders. ESOPs, uh, by and large, you know, employee-owned uh, uh, 
programs have, uh, over the last 25 years, not worked. They, on average, uh, are temp... The data doesn't show that. The data doesn't show that. The yes. data doesn't show that. 10,000 companies and 15 million employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a book, Shared Capitalism, 500 pages of, of intensive research that shows that, that, the, that uh, with over nearly 100 years of data, that, you know, that comparatively ESOPs outperform uh, companies, uh, you know, uh, similar companies, from, from 8 to 11%, they out, outperform their, their, their other companies. And it makes common sense. When those workers are invested, uh, they, they, their performance, every business metric goes up, generally. Uh, profits, productivity. Uh, I would direct you to, to the book, Shared Capitalism. Um, it, it's, it's no light reading. It's 500 pages, but the data is there. We're actually going to give the keynote address at Rutgers University in a couple of days with the most eminent scholars in the world on this subject. Well, um, I res respectfully disagree with you because all of my experiences with ESOPs, which has been uh, which is considerable over uh, now almost 30 years, have shown that um, sure there are initial bumps and there are are occasions when they work, but in general they don't work. Because oh, that's true. That's not true. Not true. I worked for AT&T. I was able to retire at the age of 48 with uh, my ESOP earnings. Yes, yes. Or go to the go to the National Center for Employee Ownership uh, out of San Francisco, and the data is right there for anyone to see. The data is 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 right there. This is this is uh, you know we have hard data that we can that that, that proves it. And it, it's, it's, well, for example, take a look. How about oh, let's 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 just what. What built Silicon Valley was, was all employee stock ownership, uh, whether it's Microsoft, Apple, Google, all these companies. Cisco. Uh, then if you look at companies like um, uh, Procter & Gamble, General Motors, UPS, Amazon, it goes on and on. Pu uh, regional companies like public supermarkets, um, ExxonMobil, Bloomberg, Plus Airlines, it goes on and on and on. Companies that share equity, whether it's through their 401K or uh, profit sharing or ESOPs, you know, any combination where the, where the workers get some kind of equity in the place they work, that's been a huge success. There's no doubt about it. May I just may I make this one point about the companies that, that you pointed out? Every one of them has been led by, by someone with a vision and, and the authority both uh, monetarily and um, uh, mentally to lead. Uh, I understand what you're saying. But if you take, if you go to the ordinary one where you, a group of people have bought, uh, bought out a company as an ESOP, and I use the Chicago Tribune as the, probably the most public one we've all seen, they have over time failed, and that's all I want. I don't want to argue with you. Well, yeah, but look at all the. New, I mean, look, look at the look at the Boston Globe, and when the, the Times bought the Boston, but the newspaper business has, has been a has been a colossal, you know, catastrophe. So you can't you can't you can't take an anecdotal situation like that. You have to look at, again. I would direct you to the national NCEO, the National Center for Employee Ownership. They just updated their data, and it's pretty it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. So again, not anecdotally, but look at the broad spectrum, and it's it, you know uh, comparatively. Industry by industry, it's about between eight to eleven percent that they outperform their their others. I would agree with you. You do need good leadership. 
you do you know we're not saying that you know they're they're uh, and this is something where the employees take necessarily take you know uh, take over the whole company, uh, but they do have a stake in the company now, and that's proven to work. Go, Don. Uh, no, I'm 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 going to back. I'm not going to back off. I'm simply going to say we I have we have a basic disagreement, and, and I point out that capitalism really depends on good management and leadership. And, and uh, what you're saying uh, uh, in the broad abstract, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. But what I say, without leadership, and the difference in capitalism, uh, in my view, has always been that uh, leadership lead, and innovation lead to new things happening. And that there's always going to be dislocation. There's dislocation going on now for the last 30 years as we've moved into this techno technological society. Um, uh, you have a great idea there, uh, and I hope it works for the world's sake, but I don't think it will. And uh, I don't know, you're a guest, so you shouldn't disagree with your guest, but I just had to say that. And can I then move on to the other topic, which Dan said? Yes. Which is um, Hillary Clinton's campaign is desperate right now. I spoke to somebody inside the campaign today, and uh, I, I, I will repeat what, I, uh, what I've said before, but I'll, I'll even give you a date, April. And I will say that in April she will develop an illness and will be out of the campaign. Uh, that's because, uh, as everybody has pointed out before me, this... Uh, uh, Bill Clinton represents an albatross that will eventually uh, force her. She did not want to bring up the issue of, of women uh, this early in the campaign because she knew somebody would turn, turn it on her with the Bill Clinton. But they became desperate, and they are desperate, and she might even lose once again Iowa. Um, yeah, by the way, let me just say, I studied under the famed... Um, Economist W. Edwards Deming, um, who really literally rebuilt Japan, he had a great saying: "In God we trust; all others bring data. We have the data." <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I've always heard, "In God we trust; all others pay cash." Yes. <laughs> so I, I have the quote right in front of me, and I studied under him. All others bring data. I would direct you to get to the NCEO, and you'll see there are data and and shared capitalism uh, at work. That also is, 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 is irrefutable data. You can always find, listen, I agree with you, there will always be exceptions to the rule. But in general, the idea is a block, the, the idea works, and the third way is really the only way. There really is no other way than to share, cap, than to share, share equity. Now, by the way, I, I think you also bring up a very good point. Um, people don't like capitalism because they really don't understand essentially what it is. Now, there's ten words. Capital, capitalism is capital. What is capital? Cap is ten words. Capital is anything that increases the productive power of labor. Period. That should be taught in schools. What does that mean? That means that other than your own muscle and sinew and, and sweat, everything else, every tool that you use is a form of capital. So I used to think it was just money. But no, it's not just money. It's technology. It's stocks. It's bonds. It's land. Our founders knew that it was land and property. So if you don't like capital and capitalism, then you really want to go back to the Stone Age. 
And we're saying, listen, cap- it's not capitalism that's bad. It's the way that you that you that you that you use it, and the way you that you where you promote it. And and our founders wanted, for example, uh, we cite in in our book uh, Abraham Lincoln and the Homestead Act. He gave 160 acres of land free, gave land and property to anyone that could, could farm it. So he wanted to be a broad-based capital ownership. Uh, and, and one of my favorites of all time, who was Galicia A. Grow? That's a name. Who was Galicia A. Grow? He happened to have been the Speaker of the House under Abraham Lincoln. And in his final address to the House, he said the following, in the future, we will not be able to, to broaden capital ownership through land because we have a limited amount of land to, 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 to in, in this country. That will have to be done through shares of corporations. Who was Galicia A. Grow? The father of the Republican Party. Wow, and it's a name you never heard of. But, but this, yeah. he, this idea is not new. This idea goes back to the founding fathers, Abraham Lincoln. And by the way, on our website, thethirdwaybook.com, you can, you can see archived tapes of both Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, and Bernie Sanders, both in different, different speeches, giving almost the identical speech promoting this idea. It blow your mind. But it's true. It's true. Both Reagan and Bernie Sanders both believed in employee ownership. Because it jump, works. Yeah. Jump, jump in there, Dan. Let me go back, let me go back to this. I think it was, uh, speaking of data, what, I would encourage, Jim, all of your listeners to go to the Internet because they can see the first presentation that Bill Clinton made in New Hampshire. As typical with the Democrats, there was a hand-picked group of women, hand-picked group of women, mostly younger women, who were standing behind Clinton as he was speaking. The faces and the, and the actions of the women behind him was amazing. Yawning, looking away, putting their heads down. Who is this guy? Why, why is he here? Uh, and I guess he did 25 minutes, and he was about 24 minutes too long because the room was emptying before he finished his presentation. So I think that, uh, like Hillary, Bill is too old to campaign. And I think that the millennials who will watch and learn. And, and the other thing that's going to happen, Jim, next week, the 15th, is the movie 13 Hours in Benghazi. It's coming out. And I heard the actual soldiers interviewed yesterday on Sean Joe. This could be really, this could be, as I said to my publicist, this could be the equivalent of the swift boat for Kerry. These guys could be the swift boat to bring down Hillary Clinton, although Don thinks she's going to resign. Anyway, but um, I'm, very looking, I'm looking forward to the book and, and uh, writing a review on it. But watch the video of the women behind Clinton because it's extremely telling, and they didn't get the kind of bang that they thought they were going to bring by bringing Bill out. Well, I want to I wanna cover one more topic with everybody here, and this is uh, Benghazi. Uh, we, we were kind of talking a little bit there about the uh, the swift boat moment. Um, uh, our, our two guests on on Skype. What what do you guys think about this? Is this going to be a big deal? About about Benghazi or or, or, or Bill Clinton? Uh, both. Either one. Well, uh, well, I mean, uh, I think 
I think, you know, Hillary actually has a proposal out there um, about profit sharing, which actually uh, borrows from our idea, believe it or not, and the scholars that, that we know that, that, that she's aware of this idea. The problem is she's made it extremely convoluted. If you go and look, and look at it, uh, and very difficult, and, and there's almost no money there. It's, you know, you've got to go typical. They've got to jump through 15 hoops to get, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars. So she is, she is aware of the idea. Uh, and she, uh, uh, but what, I'm a Republican, and I'm a partisan Republican. I know that if, 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 are we, if we got, if, and I'm hoping and pleading to our side, they got a hold of this idea. And by the way, the, the prestigious Heart Foundation, Heart Research, did, did a polling on this idea. And again, it polled it. 70, 80, 90 percent, depending on the questions, if a Republican got a hold of this idea, the election would be over because people know that they're being crushed. Now, here's another very interesting fact, um, and we show this. It's, you actually can watch, see it free on our website, surveybook.com. I believe it's the most important chart in economics comparable to equals MC squared in physics. Uh, it, was, it was done by the famed... Uh, economist Louis Kelsa, who founded the ESOP idea, what he explained was in 1776 was not just the dawning of the American Revolution, it was also the dawning of the, the Industrial Revolution. And at that time, 90% of all productive power came from labor, 10% from capital. We have seen through uh, good data analysis that, that Kelso did that now at the year 2000 and beyond, it's literally reversed. And 90% of all productive power comes from capital and machines, 10% from labor. The question now is, is who owns that productive power? There's more productive power in, in your uh, computing power in your cell phone than what put a man on the moon. So that's the big question. Will we address the, the challenges of the 21st century? Any presidential candidate that reads our book, The Third Way, and understands it and can communicate to the public will not just win, they'll win in a landslide. Well, I, I guess I would say in response to your question, to your comment, uh, I, can, I, can't, I cannot see a situation where a, a socialist Democrat would ever adopt your policy, even though I agree with it, because it doesn't fit within the model of social social democracy. It's not going to happen with the Democrats. The only possibility is with the Republicans, and and, uh, and I agree with you. It could be it could be significant. Whether it's enough to change the election that much, I I don't know. But I I just don't see the Democrats uh, adopting it because it's contrary to their beliefs and. Um, they want shared income. They don't want shared capital. And well, what, uh, you bring up a good point, but you can literally go to our site and watch Bernie Sanders, who is a Democrat socialist, speaking specifically in favor of this idea. Now, the challenge is he doesn't stick just with this idea. You know, I love you, Bernie, and he's brought up a lot of good things, and I'm a Republican, so he has advocated this idea. The problem is he goes too far, and we talk about that in the book, how, how socialism and communism... You know, there's some elements that, you know, they're, but they go too far. They go too far in the, in the redistribution. So Bernie's got the, the employee ownership idea correct, and, and we have this speech on videotape, and Reagan giving almost the identical speech, but, but Bernie keeps going.
to more socialism, more redistribution, big government. That is not our proposal. Our proposal is power to the people, empowering the people, what the founding fathers wanted, what Lincoln wanted, what, what, you know, what, what, all the, what, what the founding of the Republican Party wanted was broad-based property ownership. That's the solution, not government empowerment. So Bernie likes the idea, and he's for the idea, but, he, but if you just stop there, we'd love him. But he goes too far with, more, with, with the redistribution side. That's where he loses me, at least. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got uh, Dan Perkins with us today. We've also got uh, our good friend Donald Mazzella. We have our two special guests. Uh, gentlemen, before we let you guys go on Skype, where can people pick up the book the, uh, and, uh, and, and get more information on you guys? Yeah, you can go to the website, The Third Way, with the number three, thethirdwaybook.com. It's the website where you can get the information. Also, Amazon, you can go to Amazon and uh, look for The Third Way with the number three. Uh, you can get the book also. Well, Don, uh, how, how do we find you and the books and everything else? Well, first I want to say these, these two authors are, are probably the two best advocates of their book that I've run across in a long time. Thanks, Don. Thank power, power to the people. Seeing is believing. We believe owning is believing. That's right. Oh, That's right. Oh, right. Power oh. to the people in 2016, though, an updated version um, of a great idea. Uh, and modernize. Uh, anyway, uh, hashtag 2SB Digest and my, my book site, donmazzello.com. We, uh, we really had a, a great opening three months, and my publisher is really happy. So I guess people are listening to you, Jim. Good, because, uh, good. We're glad. Uh, <laughs> now, businessbag.com. Uh, now, Dan, uh, thehill.com, and uh, where, where, where are some of the other... Uh, I know you got the trilogy out there, my friend. Right, you can get the book at Amazon.com. It's called The Brotherhood of the Red Nile. Uh, you can also go to my, my website on the book, danperkins.guru. Um, and um, you can go to the Foundation for the Soldiers at Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us. And... Um, uh, thanks, Jim, for uh, another great show. And uh, I, I just think that uh, I, I, I'm a great believer in ESOP, not only because that's how my son makes his living, but it makes a lot of sense for the right businesses. Yes, so, yes. Good, have a good week. Definitely. Well, next week on our broadcast uh, it, with, with Don Mazzella and Dan Perkins, we will be talking uh, cyber terror versus gun owners. We'll be having Michael Doherty, who is a senior writer for Cyber Defense Magazine. He's also a board member at Snoop Wall, the powerhouse cybersecurity firm. He's also the author of The Devil Inside the Beltway, the shocking expose of the U.S. government's surveillance and overreach into cybersecurity, medicine, and small business. And uh, tomorrow, Don Mazzella will... Uh, Talk with IQ Al Rizzoli. Uh, it is the first Wednesday of the month, and uh, it will be a fun, fun, fun time. And uh, I thank our guests on Skype. I thank you two gentlemen, and uh, we'll Thanks. talk to everybody next week. Thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks, James. Appreciate it, guys. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful evening. And uh, we're going to take a timeout and come back with more here on the big program, Coast to Coast and Border to Border.
Let's tell you about one of our fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. It is a great new Kickstarter campaign. A Craft Wallet. That's right. Your slim wallet and keys are together. An amazing new Kickstarter campaign.